This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 199, about Daredevil, season 3, episode 13, A New Napkin. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is our 199th episode of Defenders TV Podcast, where we're talking about Daredevil 313, a new napkin. The season finale of Daredevil Season 3. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. I'm your other host, Chris. And I am your third and final host, John. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to our 199th episode. To follow up on one of the questions that we had outstanding earlier on in the season, uh, the way we're going to do our 200th episode is we're going to talk about this episode of Daredevil, episode 13 of season three, the finale. We're going to talk about all of our thoughts, all of our usual top five case notes about this episode. And we're going to leave your feedback till our 200th episode where we'll talk about a full recap of the season of Daredevil and your thoughts and your feedback because we got loads of full season long feedback not just about this episode loads of thoughts about everything that happened throughout the season overall so I want to give it the respect it deserves and uh, a good discussion about that season so I think it'll work to have that as our 200th episode we also think it would have felt a little bit weird having our 200th episode of the podcast about the Defenders TV shows being about comic books so we will we'll be putting out our comic book podcast about Doctor Strange issue 8 uh, later on in the week at a separate podcast to the 200th episode loads of good stuff to keep you going yes here's to 200 more yes here's to 200 more <laughs> yes absolutely um great first 199 episodes let's hope we survive to 200 mm-hmm. <laughs> there's only one way to get there and that's to discuss all the details about this episode remember fellow defenders as we're on the end of a season always good to let you know make sure you subscribe to the podcast over at defenders tv to get all of our upcoming episodes we will still be covering the upcoming defenders series Punisher and Jessica Jones, season two and three, respectively, which will be coming out in 2019. Uh, we will continue to cover our comic book podcast stuff over on this feed on Defenders TV podcast as well. So keep subscribed to get all of the stuff that we're doing. You can also join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast to give us ideas for upcoming episodes or to chat with us about anything that we've covered so far. Yes, but Derek, with that, what are some of the episode details for Daredevil Episode 13, A New Napkin, please. Well, as you mentioned, the episode is called A New Napkin. I had to throw this out to Chris because I couldn't see where this was in the episode. It's a very important moment right at the end of the episode. A New Napkin is effectively the new normal that's set at the end of this episode with the possible reconnection of Paige, Murdoch and Nelson, or whatever order you want to put those names in. Uh, The episode was directed by Sam Miller, a new director in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the TV Universe. He's an English director, uh, best known for his work on the BBC TV dramas like This Life and Luther, uh, which he got an Emmy nomination for as well. Excellent stuff. This Life, amazing show Mm -hmm. with Egg, also known as Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. I think I'm the only person in the UK and Ireland to ever pronounce the name of that show as Luther, because I think most people pronounce it as Luther. Which is something that you (laughs) get dead skin off in the bath with. That's a Luther. Yeah. Yes, but never say that to Idris Elba, who stars in that show. I much prefer his work in the MCU. (laughs) But enough talk about British TV. This episode was written by the showrunner, Eric Olsen. Always a good sign, as we say. If you have your showrunner writing your final episode, he is taking ownership for this show. This is the place where he wanted to end the series of 
Daredevil. Really good job, I think, on this final episode. Yeah, and we do know as of recording that he has pitched season four of Daredevil to Netflix, as he said in his tweet, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. So I have some toes, I have some fingers. I'm pretty sure I can loan some of a fellow defender's fingers and toes out there too. Yes, we're touching wood. We are rubbing our rabbit's feet. Uh, you name it. We've got knees crossed, arms stretched, rah, 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 in good luck. Aramas for uh, a season four of Daredevil, mm-hmm. for sure. But let's get into the details of what they gave us with this final episode of Daredevil season three. John, do you want to give us the synopsis for this episode? Sure. With Foggy Nelson's plan in general disarray, Matt Murdock returns to his own plan and intends to kill Wilson Fisk. He kidnaps and interrogates Felix Manning, learning vital intel to use against Fisk, Vanessa and Special Agent Poindexter. Elsewhere, Foggy still believes in the rule of law, and as he is called into the FBI office in New York to represent Agent Raina Deem's wife, Seema, he discovers a dying declaration detailing all of Fisk's crimes. Meanwhile, as Fisk and Vanessa get married at the Presidential Hotel, their reception is rudely interrupted by Raina Deem from beyond the grave and the arrival of a seriously weaponized Dex Devil. As Dex attacks, Matt joins the fight, overpowering Wilson Fisk, but not before Poindexter is left paralysed. In the bloody aftermath, Fisk is sent back to prison, Dexter undergoes experimental spinal surgery, and Foggy suggests that he, Matt and Karen begin to work together again, as Nelson, Murdoch and Page attorneys at law. Or is that Page, Nelson and Murdoch avocados at law? Or is that Murdoch, Page and Nelson... Atonados at law. Or is it just guacamole? <laughs> it's all holy moly guacamole. Yes, that'd be great. Team up. We can see season four now coming into Eric Olsen's pitch here. Mm-hmm. The three of them, the three amigos returned, ready for action with um, a really cheesed off uh, Poindexter ready to get back into the fray. There we go. Season four. And bosh, <laughs> done. Yep. Off you go, Netflix. Put the money behind it. Yep, no point to do your uh, two minutes episode now, John. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get back into this episode of season three of Daredevil, the final episode uh, for this season. Uh, get into our usual thoughts about our top five case notes. Case note number one, the kidnap of Felix Manning. We knew Felix would play a part in this series. One of the things I thought was really interesting in here with Felix Manning is that he's mentioned quite a few times that he's not a man for breaking. No matter what happens to him, Wilson Fisk will, will do whatever worse than anybody else can do. We heard it when he was talking to Karen Page earlier on in the season. He's been that kind of evil, gruesome guy in the background. Well, Daredevil kidnaps and beats him a couple of times and gets every piece of information out of him really quickly. It's kind of a little bit of irony in there that he's been trusted with so much information and Wilson Fisk never thought he'd give it up. But a couple of punches from Daredevil get anything out of him. Well, and him dropping him off the roof uh, and like you can hear the the leg joints like snap out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's going to have a dodgy hit for the rest of his life now in, in prison. Yep. So he, he won't be able to really run away from the, the shiving uh, that he's probably going to get in, in prison. Pretty good. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, 
it was kind of sweet justice, really, wasn't it? Because um, he ultimately has had to give up some of the the juicier elements of Wilson Fisk's um, secretive life. Uh, and in particular, the one that was making me kind of rub my hands with glee was the fact that, um, yes, we all knew that Matt Murdock was going to give Poindexter some kind of message in some way or another, just to let him know that his dear North Star, Wilson Fisk, had ordered the death of his dearest North Star, Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that that was just nice. That was kind of like, yes, this that deserved to happen. Um, and I'm really glad it did. And I'm really glad that it happened at the dangling feet of uh, Felix Manning. Yes, absolutely. Anybody getting Batman Dark Knight Rises vibes or Dark Knight vibes yes. or Batman Begin vibes there with the with the body of Felix dangling off the edge? Uh, definitely a touch taken there from Batman. I really enjoyed the fact that even though Felix Manning is giving up all this information, he's kind of calling out all the people that have been murdered and all the information he has. Matt doesn't reel him back up like Batman would. He leaves him dangling to tell him the information before he will reel him back up. I do like that moment. And I don't think he even does at the end. I think he still leaves him hanging off the off the edge. You see Brett Mahoney arriving a little bit later on with, with the paramedics putting him on the stretcher and Brett Mahoney standing over him going, how did you end off dangling there? And he's like, I tripped. <laughs> I told you, I tripped. <laughs> <laughs> Great moment. For a split second, and I know that's exactly what they wanted, I thought Matt had dropped him over. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it was very well done because I was like, based on Matt, what's going through? Oh, my God, he's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Or uh, severely maim him, at least. Yeah. Like, drop him over the edge. He breaks all his bones. He's lying kind of crippled on uh, the, the next roof. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the opening scene of the episode, and we just heard at the end of the last episode that Matt is going out to kill his rivals now, you know? If you're not yeah. willing to help him out, he's going to kill you. It was exactly the way they set it up. So, yeah, totally get what you mean, Chris. Yeah, and then I really enjoyed Matt's actual stance while Felix was giving him the information. Mm-hmm. Batman usually stands there very stoic with his cape fluttering behind him. Yeah. You see Matt just, like, feet, like, dangling off the edge. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, he was just like, yeah, I, I'm I'm in for a while, you know, just going to sit down. He pulls out a picnic basket, <laughs> kind of cup of tea, hot whiskey. Yeah. It, was, it was a fun interaction, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I did really like the scene uh, literally following that, where we see Brett there, um, Honey. Mm-hmm. He's fine with everything that's happening um, because what we do see is Foggy arrives and he is believes someone is going to kill um, Fisk. Mm-hmm. And Mahoney's like, yeah, fine yeah. with me. Let me get my popcorn out to watch is kind of the response yeah. from Brad, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting because we do get that in a following scene as well from Foggy talking to Karen where... He's very much the one that's on the defense here to make sure that Matt doesn't cross that line. Um, we hear him say that whole thing to, to, to Karen when she's going, you know, everybody is allowed a second chance. Well, except for Fisk is what Karen's saying. He's going, no, no, everybody, because if Matt crosses that line, then he is going to become the bad guy. He's going to be exactly the same as everybody else. And Karen's kind of going, ah, yeah, but what if he accidentally killed him? <laughs> and, you know, Foggy goes, no, no, plotting to kill him is the exact opposite of accidentally killing him. So he, we all know that this can't be in self-defense. We all know he's out there to kill him. 
Absolutely. I do really like as well that Mahoney says, you know, he kind of says, okay, I'll put extra uh, cops on to protect, but they're kind of like fourth level Mm -hmm. uh, cops in the sense that it's either new recruits who are kind of green behind the ears or they're about to retire and are not going to put themselves in harm way because they've got their, their pension to look forward to. So I really like that sort of Brett Mahoney really grudgingly says, okay, I hear you. I'm going to do something about it, but it's going to be the weakest possible doing something about it that I, I will yeah. do. So that, that was really good. As Although well. after watching many American movies, if I was a cop on the edge of retirement, would I go anywhere near Fisk's building? Because that's usually when you get killed, isn't it? Just before retirement, <laughs> like lethal weapon and stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, although, yeah, he always survived. He always survived. Despite course. Riggs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's get out to case note number two, guys. Um, the return of all the unresolved loose ends from the season comes back to really bite Fisk on the ass this time, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Again, it, it's a bit like with Felix Manning giving up the whole secret about Julie uh, and her murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Raina Deem gets his moment to bring about sweet justice against uh, Tammy Hatley um, in relation to the whole Agent Wynn murder, but importantly uh, with regards to Wilson Fisk and what he did to curtail um, the FBI, but also to force him into uh, effectively working for him, along with other people as well. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really good. I mean, we kind of wondered whether him playing for time outside of his home just before he was killed by um, Poindexter, whether he was filming that, whether there was some kind of outdoor security camera pointed on it so that at least he would get Poindexter. But here we get this dying declaration uh, from Rayna Deem. It comes with that special aspect to it, which is because he knows he's going to die, that his declaration, his statement of everything that's happened is given equal status to someone who's alive because he has less incentive to to lie. It is admissible in court. Mm. Again, for me, it felt like sweet justice and it, it felt like, you know, some of these aspects that Wilson Fisk thought were impregnable just got chipped away uh, to the point where um, then it really did start to crumble. So I, I, I really enjoyed uh, this moment. Well, first of all, I really enjoyed Seema. Um, like the, the ingenuity they showed on a character who, let's be somewhat honest, she, she's been very tertiary mm-hmm. to a lot of this, which is fine, but that's kind of, that's the need of that character to date. And then her treatment of Ray while they're in Mahoney or Mother Mahoney's um mm-hmm. kind of apartment she was very mean to ray who when he tried to explain she's like i'm never going to forgive you blah blah yeah. blah etc then seeing her character arc taken to that next level because let's be honest quite easily it could have been a video message sent to foggy's phone mm-hmm. like that it could have been just that quick but what we do get to see is her character slightly redeemed in that, if, if if you were not happy with the way she treated Ray in the the final scene where they were together, this redeems the arc, and it also shows that she's out to 
protect her child while also ensuring that they take down the guys who killed her husband. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I think the character herself, yeah, I don't think there's been a huge amount of her in the season, as you say, Chris. It's been a very small, very limited amount. And I think this is more about Ray again. It's just giving Ray that final moment from beyond the grave to protect his child and his wife and give them an out and, and some help helping hand here you know it's a great moment for her definitely I, I totally agree with you but i think it more just helps to redeem ray and what he put her through like we've seen all, all season all she was saying to him was just tell me when you're in danger i need to know that we've we need to have that trust and that's that was their final moment together was that argument where she said to him i can't trust you because you're still not telling me when you're in danger and you've got a bullet hole in you you know you're working for fisk and you're not telling me that yeah. you're in danger so this moment is just to redeem him and, sh- and show that he's revealing everything about himself to her after he's passed yeah no i, I can kind of get that too but mm-hmm. it was a good scene mm-hmm. i think that's probably the best seeing the video given to foggy foggy being able to then take this back to Karen and explain why it's admissible in court, explain yeah. why it's in so important. Um, because I did, I too thought Fisk can easily get around this. Yeah. And it was only when they, he explains it, which I have to say, I really enjoyed thinking back on a lot of this. Um, they still had quite a legal element. I know I remember saying in the lead up to this, I really hoped they had some courtroom scenes. Mm-hmm. Foggy filled in a lot of those courtroom scenes. Being lawyer by day, lawyer by night. <laughs> yeah, just a lawyer then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, an over overworked, underpaid lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so no, I, I really enjoyed this. It does lead us to our kind of second point, which is the th- second loose end. Poor old Julie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this this tracking down of Julie in the the freezer was was pretty gruesome I, I must say like when he kind of pulls back the the plastic wrap to reveal her it was like oh okay and then even morbidly when he effectively brings her to the presidential hotel <laughs> i was like okay crazy decks like time to take the medication um it was just a little bit spooky mm-hmm. i thought um also because you know she was kind of fairly like bolt upright and wide eye going mm-hmm. like what that kind of thing in, in the, the passenger seat i thought it was there was a slight hilarity to it but maybe that's just me <laughs> well there's a little bit of um of weekend Bernie's to it definitely <laughs> like I could, I could totally understand why he wanted to bring the body and kind of drop it at the feet of kingpin and go look what you did to julie you know that's more the scene i was expecting and it makes more sense if she's sitting up to put her into the seat of the car you know that's that's logical transportation of a, of a body you know it makes a lot, a lot of sense but the fact that he leaves her in the car after driving into the wedding you know it doesn't it, that that's you know that does seem a little bit odd and he is completely broken at this stage yeah. um just want to mention where they find her body in the in the uh, fridge or in the freezer i guess um the other two bodies that are in there those are the guys that shot her um those are the guys that that were painting up the walls and shot her and killed her so Felix has also disposed of their bodies. Now, a lot of people have been quite confused because one of the guys has a goatee that that could have been Melvin Potter, but it's not. It's definitely the two guys that shot and killed Julie and were going to kill uh, Dex. They've outlived their usefulness and have been killed and, and thrown in there as well. So pretty brutal. I, I just love the frozen rigor mortis snapping that had to take place for Dex to actually put her in the car. Because you're just kind of having to go, well, she wasn't sitting like she was in a car seat. Not exactly. So he would have had to literally go, oh, oh, no. Oh, there goes your kneecap. Oh, there's your other kneecap. Oh, there you go. Let's move your arm. 
to get her arm through the car's seatbelt. I'm just like, he destroyed her. <laughs> Did he and put her also, in a seatbelt as well? Yeah. That's even more hilarious. On top of that, she's slowly thawing out. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest. New York, unless it's winter, cold winter, you're you're talking <laughs> there's thawing happening. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, no, Dex, Dex. Like, at least put her somewhere else. Like, he, he drives her, he puts her in the boot, he or he picks her up and puts her into the catering. It is kind of like the horror version of Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, where it's kind of like, you know, is she going to sort of reanimate here or just, like, melt like a popsicle? Um, I must say, I did kind of think this was an interesting choice that he would put her in the seat of the car. But I suppose it ultimately shows how far gone this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. Is like he's totally lost it. He is feeling a total sense of betrayal. Um, but there were moments where, um, you know, that sort of, um, that dark humor of mine, uh, just took over a little. But in fairness, I, I was even surprised that they kind of showed sort of her body being sort of opened up actually yeah. i mean i know this generally is um 18 plus or r-rated or whatever um from from the netflix classification of it yeah i, I was kind of surprised even at that to be honest yeah. that, that they did show that so i mean for jews um you know, someone who does like horror this felt slightly horror-esque to me yeah definitely Definitely. Personally, what I was hoping, because I understand exactly why they did it. They did it to show the deterioration of Dex, to mm-hmm. show that he's talking to a corpse as if she was real. What I was hoping for was a split second scene where she responds to him looking as she did before, to show that he's almost gone be so far that he's hallucinating that she's still alive, mm. that she's responding to him. Very much psycho-esque, right? Right. So the mother was never talking in psycho, but... Oh, spoilers, by the way, I guess. Um, <laughs> sorry. I think that's all right. Yeah. But no, essentially, I was expecting that would have nailed it slightly a, a bit further. That would have put the kind of... Yeah. The, the, the element down. Just to show the psychoses. As it was, it was good I, but I'm kind of more with John. For me, it was more giggle inducing. All oh, right. Then Joe, like just I, we all have dark humor. Mm-hmm. Myself and John a bit more than Derek. I didn't say that there, Chris. To be completely honest, but no, I'd have to say I did really get the scene. It really felt like Dex finds this body of the woman that he thinks has, you know, has thrown him away. And it wasn't that. he. She was killed. She was murdered by the guy he's been working for. He finds his body. He doesn't know what to do at all. He has no idea. He's he gets that guttural primal scream, yeah, sticks definitely. her in the car and runs straight off to the hotel. Um, what I loved is the reaction of his former uh, FBI compatriot who opens up, who he opens the window to. He sees Dex in the car dressed in the daredevil gear with this frozen body in the other season. He is just terrified. He goes, what is going to happen here? You know, this is like, hold on a second. This is not going to go well for any of us here. You know, um, he instantly clocks that something really bad is going to happen. This is going to be like a terrorist attack on a New York hotel on the wedding of, of the Fisks. You know, he instantly clocks that something bad going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I just thought it was an interesting choice with Julie in the passenger seat. I think, 
Um, I hadn't really thought about it, but definitely, as you say, Chris, if Julie had kind of turned around and spoken to him and you'd got that sense of psychosis and, and mental breakdown, okay, you kind of know that anyway. Yeah. Um, but certainly when he opens up the fridge, when he's investigating, and I think even just the fact that Daredevil is there on the roof listening in just to make sure that, you know, he finds her. Um, and I think he calls him up as well. The minute he hears the primal scream from Dex, then he makes the phone call to him to tell him that it's Fisk and tell him where to go kind of thing. It's it's like he's guiding him through this really brutal act. Yeah, yeah and that that was, uh, I thought that was really meaningful in the moment. And then I suppose it just took me out of it when she was riding in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, I get what it was trying to do for sure. Um, but yeah, then... The fits and giggles kind of kicked in a bit for me, uh, but I but I th- still think it was a good choice, and I I think if they would just done that whole thing where she looks and speaks to him, um, I think that would have been quite interesting. And I just think that would have been a little bit tropey. But let's get on to this destination. <laughs> the destination was the wedding of Wilson and Vanessa Fisk. As we know as comic book fans, uh, Vanessa Fisk has kind of always been the character Vanessa Fisk. She was introduced as Vanessa and then became Vanessa Fisk. So we always knew we were going to have the wedding. But kind of cool to have it in this final episode in the way that it happens. I love that Fisk is using this as the opportunity to straighten the bonds with the underworld, the gangs that he has around. I love that he's using it to kind of get, as Felix describes it, to get his position back in Hell's Kitchen, tell everybody how badly he's been treated and have a big love story for them all to kind of cling on to. Really interesting. Uh, really like that moment with uh, Rosalie Carbone. Chris, you actually mentioned a couple of episodes ago, uh, Rosalie Carbone is the character that we saw at the end of Luke Cage season two, and we didn't recognize her. We said we were going to look out for her, and 13 episodes later, we completely forgot that she was there. Uh, but she <laughs> is the character that's the head of the uh, Italian gang from uh, Luke Cage season two. But we hear her having that, that comment with uh, Wilson Fisk about how funny it is that she's been sitting beside the person that tried to arrest her previously uh, because it's his wedding, and she kind of likes that idea, and will give him an extra bump in payment next time she talks to him, which <laughs> I think it's quite quite fun seeing these underworld characters kind of have that interaction. I, I want to bring up one point before we kind of move on, because this wasn't actually in our case notes. So we see Wilson getting dressed for the wedding. See, um, he, he's, he's nervous. He does obviously have um, an hallucination of seeing himself with the hammer. Uh, and then he has this beautiful interaction. And I actually mean this beautiful interaction with Vanessa. Um explaining how he believes he doesn't deserve her, that he's just using her to, similar to the art, putting her on a pedestal. And she has, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she kind of says, no, uh, I'm there to compliment your cracks. So we are both broken pieces, but our broken pieces fit together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My God, these are some of the best vows in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know this is two bad people talking to each other, yeah. but... It's two bad people who are deeply, madly in love, who know they are broken, who fully accept each other for those broken pieces. Uh, to the point where I was like, this is, that's really well written. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of did make me go, wow, that's a beautiful way to describe marriage or partnership or whatever, even if you're not married and you're just with your significant other for life. It's a beautiful understanding and metaphor for why <laughs> That is that. Yeah, and it's such a tough thing, isn't it? Because remember, they brought back Vanessa after 11 episodes of the show. We hadn't seen Vanessa. She arrives back and she's on the outs with with Fisk until the end of that episode. So only at the end of last episode, you realize that she actually just wanted to get even closer to Wilson Fisk. 
and then at the beginning of this episode you see the strengthening of their of their relationship it's really only about two scenes this entire season that you see both of them are on the same page and their love for each other and it was sold so well you're absolutely right chris i think their whole relationship this season hung on that scene for her to say to wilson fisk I believe the same thing that you do as well. Yeah. You needed that confirmation. It was done so well that it actually was sold really well. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it was a really great moment, but uh, certainly one that was rudely interrupted the whole sense of occasion. Uh, and obviously with their their vows, with, with her dressing him, or at least picking out the flower mm-hmm. uh, in, in the wardrobe at uh, that moment, um as well, rudely interrupted by uh, two party poopers, really. Mm-hmm. Um, a dead Raina Deem via social media, as Karen is sharing the video that he has sent to his wife um, to, um, well, social media. So it's going viral. So everyone, uh, all the guests at the the party um, are, are receiving this, um, the shocking revelation of this last testimony uh, and statement of uh, the dying declaration of Ray Nadim. And I do think this makes sense. We see this on a lot of TV shows, this whole idea of a video going viral, a video of something going viral and it's suddenly impacting everybody in a room. I think in this case, for once, it actually makes sense because, well, they're at the wedding of Wilson Fisk and somebody is accusing him, the person who has been killed or the person who was in court accusing him of doing all of this stuff. Well, the video has been released online of that guy whose wedding you're at. All your mates are going to send that video to you immediately. <laughs> They're going to go get out of there. You know, this has now been confirmed kind of thing. Uh, it just worked really well that this it may not have gone viral across New York, but every single person in that particular location is going to get it from somebody outside of the wedding going, you need to see this immediately. You know, I just thought it worked quite well for once. Yeah, definitely. I, I loved it. I'm not going to, it's just, it was perfect for me. We always see it in the TV shows, yeah. which is like, oh my God. And it's like plastered on billboards. Suddenly it's projected and you're like, you can't cast like that. That's not how technology works. <laughs> but then actually seeing it like this, I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm happy with how they showed this. You can see it. It's after the speeches. It's after the wedding itself. The music started. Everybody's kind of taking out their phones, seeing what happened that day. You know, you can kind of see it as a realistic moment, you know, for everybody that's at the party. Yeah. Uh, But then we do get our second gay crusher Mm -hmm. of the wedding, which I was so sure that was where Vanessa was about to drop her clogs uh, because they were both in white we they were kind of slow dancing to get together mm-hmm. and i was just expecting a baton to the back that was just like i was like that's they're setting this up this is what's going to happen yeah and it's, she's going to die in wilson's arms but no we get a beautiful speech from Dex. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, we do get definitely get that moment from Dex. I thought he was going to sing a song up on stage there uh, when he when he started out with his microphone in hand. Uh, but I think you're right, though, Chris. Like there, it is, it's a few words before he throws the microphone. But the microphone was aimed at Vanessa, not at Wilson. Um, yeah, it is that it is only by the amazing reflexes of Matt Murdock that that microphone doesn't kill. Vanessa, but it is totally aimed at her. I'm glad that if she had died, she would have died on screen directly after that speech from Dex, because you're right, it was really necessary. And it is a great moment saying, Julie and I have a have a wedding present for you. You know, that that moment, <laughs> yeah. a great moment. If yeah. she was to die there, it would have worked really well. 
Yeah, it, it was um, it was really good. Um, just the whole breakup from Dex, you know, it's that sense of betrayal that he's had, talking of the spirit of Julie in the sense that they have this present, this gift for them, uh, was really good. And yeah, I mean, all the way through the start of this big kind of showdown, really, between uh, Bullseye, Wilson Fisk, and then matt murdoch at all times i was completely convinced that vanessa was going to get a spoon through the heart oh, yeah. um and or, or whatever it may be um a lapel through the forehead or, or something i mean she just felt so vulnerable and i thought that was what was really good about this fight and certainly with like with wilson fisk was just um you sensed the vulnerability of Vanessa, but you also sensed in that the vulnerability of, of Wilson Fisk. Um, and I think that was played really well by these two actors. I thought it was really well done. And the menace of, of Bullseye here was amazing. And again, it, it's, it comes to redeem Matt Murdock, really, because he ultimately is trying to prevent the death of Vanessa and also Wilson Fisk, at least at the hands of Poindexter. You know, he's looking to potentially kill him uh, until the deal is made that saves Karen Page and, and Foggy Nelson. Um, but anyway, I suppose that's more with our other point. But there are some great moments here on the dance floor by uh, Bullseye mm-hmm. uh, with flying bits of cutlery. Again, he has that... It actually has the daredevil motion of kind of almost like he's bowing uh, as he flings two knives at some of the FBI agents, mm-hmm. um, just down to a T. Uh, Wilson Bethel, it like just has the, the style and look of almost daredevil doing it actually. Um, which, it, costume, I guess. yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's so, so good. It's yeah. so stylistic, um, and stylish. I just thought it was really well done. Yeah, definitely. And I have to give a lot of props to Matt Murdock's strategy here in using Dex. It's quite interesting. Loads of people have told him that he will never get back up to that penthouse. He'll never get anywhere near the wedding. The wedding's on at this moment as well. We've got FBI agents everywhere, all in the pockets of Fisk. What a great idea. It's almost like American football. He's running the blocker, as we'd call it, where he sent Dex in ahead of him to take out everybody in the way. So he just has an easy path all the way up to the Pentes. Uh, what a great idea. You see him walking in and you hear guys rolling on the floor going, um, Daredevil's gone past me already. And you see Matt Murdock walking over the bodies as, the, as he goes. You know, what a great way yeah. to use the strengths of your opponent against them almost. You know, he's the one that, that stopped everything. So he used Dex against himself, basically. Cool idea. I love this scene just altogether. Seeing when that microphone is flung and then Daredevil being able to knock it out of the air seeing daredevil we obviously see it a lot in a lot more detail later on in the fights which we'll get to but seeing him fight both dex and the fbi while also trying to get a fisk was just fantastic i really really enjoyed this although i will say one thing for matt which is when do you ever think that small wedding tables in a hotel will stop bullets because he pulls <laughs> it down and just gets shot and you see two bullet holes yeah. pop out and i'm like ah no come on but did you think that was really cool chris because the amount of times that happens in tv shows and movies where they take a plyboard table and put it in front of them and they don't get killed you know it's, it is showing you 
that won't work. It feels like he's actually using it to obscure someone's view and moving to the other side of the table because he knows the bullets are going to go through the left side. You know, it's it's like Daredevil's using it slightly differently than they use it in, I don't know, 21 Jump Street or some action movie. You know, it's it, he's using it differently. He's not using it to, to make sure that the bullets get embedded in the table. He's using it to distract them while he moves. You know what I mean? That is, it was cool, but it also, ah, come on, Matt. <laughs> I know what you, I know what you mean, Chris, but I do think it's just a little a little jibe at other people that would use a table to block bullets as well. But yeah, you're right. Maybe Matt was trying to do that as well. Um, let's get on to case note number four. I know we're dying to talk about the three way battle uh, that we see. So we've called case note number four the incarceration of Wilson Fisk because that's what it's all leading to. Uh, we were right. Really important to point out. We did get this one right. We knew that it wouldn't end off with Matt killing Wilson Fisk, but it does have a wonderful battle in this in this scene as we have Dex Devil versus Daredevil versus Kingpin all around the room. It's so interesting watching this fight. It's everybody is going full bore against each other. And as you say, Kingpin is really trying to protect Vanessa. And how did we miss it, guys? We've been watching these shows for 39 episodes. How did we miss the reason why Kingpin has a whole armory full of suits all in white, well, these are all the ones that were made for him because they're bulletproof. These are all the suits that he got, his version of the Daredevil suits. That's why he's able to throw one around the shoulders of Vanessa so she doesn't get hurt by the flying stuff that's being thrown at her by Dex Devil. We didn't notice it. How do we miss that earlier on in the season? <laughs> well, I thought what was really good about that scene was as we were watching it, we were like, why is he taking time to put his jacket around her her shoulders? It was yeah, like she's not going to. This cold. is being overly polite at the wrong time, Wilson. <laughs> Just get her out of the room. And then it was like, ah, they are Melvin Potter tailored suits. So he's actually protecting her. And mm-hmm. of course, it all made sense. So I, I thought that was really, really nice. You know that that realization that of course he gets his suits made by Melvin Potter. So yeah, really nice touch there. Uh, with him putting his his suit jacket around her and then it was like Vanessa now leave Vanessa mm-hmm. leave uh leave Vanessa get out of there i mean i would be out of the like uh, no offense derek but i mean if i was your vanessa to your wilson fisk i would be um hop skip and jump up those uh, stairs <laughs> and out to another helicopter waiting to take me to Italy. um so uh, <laughs> but, you know i was like why is she stood on the uh on the stairway mm-hmm. I know, and I do have it written in the notes exactly like that in capital letters. I've got, why doesn't she move? But there is an obvious reason. Yes. Wilson Fisk is the one that's there to protect Vanessa, and she feels exactly the same love for him and doesn't want to go. And if he dies, she'll have left and be saved. She doesn't want to be that woman. Exactly, exactly. And I think that really lends into even more this vulnerability mm-hmm. that I felt for Vanessa because, okay, you know, Dex is still lying around somewhere um and you know he was in amongst the fight and you're kind of you're just expecting something to fly at her and even after um wilson fisk had done that brutal um body slam into the corner um or into onto the edge of of the wall of uh poindexter's back and it was just like yikes i I was still half expecting while she stood there that this fork would suddenly fly into the side i know right just like i i didn't i I was expecting while matt and kingpin were decking it out just uh, uh, literally we would see dex like 
crippled and then do that flick of the wrist and it would like a, a yeah. knife would bounce off or what are the one of the the chandelier the the light fixture the glass that he had was beside Dex and he would just kind of grab it with his fingers put it between two little fingers and then flick and that would be the the death of her yeah it would have been that nod to the daredevil movie work with the flick of the oh yes to kill to kill the the nurse wasn't it i think it was a fly with a paperclip, and a peanut killed the old woman beside him. Yeah, that was um, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I think they did it for that reason. I think they avoided doing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm the sure trope, they did. You know, if they if they had done it, that would have been the big trope that she died in the background. And what a cool idea that this is how the show ends is a final offer from Daredevil to Fisk. If he keeps his nose clean in prison and goes there, doesn't step out of place, Vanessa will be safe. Vanessa will not be treated as a murderer she will not have the death of Ray Nadim on her hands and she will be safe this is their final moment with Daredevil this is where we get our Matt Murdock back believing now that he's seen the love between these two that Fisk can actually go ahead and make a promise to Matt and not break it it's a nice moment and it's a really nice ending to this arc between the two of them it doesn't have to end in death it can also end in this pact between all of them yeah, I think as well the the moment where the rabbit in the snowstorm gets covered in Fisk's blood, mm-hmm. um, where you know it gets a nice Jackson Pollock swish of red paint over it. I suppose mm-hmm. uh, that was that was pretty cool. I thought and, and seeing Vanessa sort of watch that and then having this deal played out in front of this this picture that has moved in some way either as the actual picture or as the blank um, cell wall in Riker's prison or as the blank bedroom wall as Fisk's childhood memory. Um, I I think that was really quite um, cool as well to have this picture that has come along with Wilson Fisk be there at the end as he's on his knees, effectively capitulating to what Daredevil wants and having as well, um, having that, that snowstorm whiteness, that thing that keeps him calm, uh, covered in angry red of, of his own blood. Which I thought, yeah. So I mean, for me, that was like really very cool indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like what a, what a great ending i think to to that story between them uh we have officer mahoney coming in uh matt not leaving the room interestingly matt going upstairs to kind of present the situation to mahoney making sure he steps far enough away that he doesn't get arrested and we have the other officers coming in and taking dex's mask off with mahoney saying that's not daredevil daredevil's the guy up there in the black suit so we have that confirmation now he's probably never getting back into that red suit can i just have have a little aside here guys i know Daredevil in the comics has the red suit. And I know they tried really hard in season two and the end of season one to put him in this red armored costume. Do you think we're ever going to see him back in that suit? Because one of the things people have loved about this show is the dynamism that you have in those, you know, 12 minute long takes of Matt in standard street clothing. If they get him back in that suit, we're never going to get another dynamic fight from Daredevil again, are we? <laughs> you know, it feels like you have Dex being able to use that suit because all he's doing is moving his hands, throwing stuff. He doesn't feel like he has to have the motion that uh, Matt Murdock has to have to keep the show going the way it goes. So I agree and disagree at the same time. What I actually think Mm -hmm. we'll get is 
the man in black, but created by Melvin Potter. Because if Melvin Potter can make stab-proof, bulletproof suit jackets, he can mm-hmm. probably yeah, yeah. make something quite similar for the man in black. It's going to have to be lightweight, though. Yeah. It's not going to be that suit again, right? Yeah. He needs to be wearing the classical, absolutely skin-tight, thigh-showing, uh, six-pack-showing lycra. Uh, he needs to represent the Marvel Ned Flanders on a ski slope here. <laughs> Feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Exactly, Nothing Chris. at all. Exactly. Um, that will put off any of his adversaries <laughs> um, for that split second to give him that advantage of time and uh, speed. Stupid, sexy daredevil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and because to an, because I think the opening credits kind of it feels to me that that's that daredevil in the opening credits as the the gloopy paint kind of goes down wax, it like, yeah. that it, it's giving the skin tight lycra. You know, you right. can see all the sinew and what have you underneath the. Okay, I'm th- I think about the opening credits way too much, mm-hmm. but I, you know. Maybe they could go that route, just for one. It'd be quite interesting. You can tell John never presses the skip intro button on Netflix. Um, I think we should skip on to the next point, <laughs> though. Uh, case note number five, is this the end, is what I have here. We have the tie-up of pretty much every storyline that's gone on this season. Um, no real cliffhangers. There's a few, but we'll talk about them in the point. There's no real cliffhangers here. We get so many moments tied up in this final moment. We have, you know, Matt kind of getting pretty relaxed as he goes back to Sister Maggie and has that discussion with her about, you know, an ish, an incident he had as a child when he was hating God and earth and the church and everything. And Father Lantham says to him, well, it's kind of like a tapestry. What God does with the world is like a tapestry. You don't see the front of it. You only see the back. You only see the strings and a little bit of color on this side. Wouldn't it be nicer? And wouldn't the world be a better place if you could see the other side like God does? A really interesting metaphor for his relationship with the Catholic Church and his relationship with the way he's let Father Lantham bring him up. But interesting that we see Matt kind of getting to that point almost immediately after taking Dan Fisk. So first of all, yes, very interesting. And I'm really happy to see that he is coming back to that way of thinking. But my God, isn't that a Mm -hmm. beautiful analogy? Just I've never thought of it like that. And I'm not religious. I'm not anything like that. But it is a beautiful Mm -hmm. way to explain the ups and downs of life and people kind of going, why is life terrible? It's because you don't see yeah. all of it. You're seeing the din side, but what you're putting out there is the bright side and etc. Um, just, I thought it was a beautiful analogy and him speaking to sister Maggie about this, mother Maggie, mm-hmm. whatever way you want to call her, mother superior. <laughs> or, or just mum. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I'm really enjoying the, the budding relationships because it's not blossoming yet. It, it's the seeds are there. It's starting to show yeah. sprout. It, it was just really nice to see that interaction between them. Yeah, definitely. And whatever we're calling her, he's still calling her Maggie as well. He's not calling her mom. He's not, you know, he's not there yet. And in the same way, he's not there with the Catholic Church either. He's not saying, I'm going back to mass every week and I'm going back to the confessional every every other week or anything like that. He's saying, Father Lantham used to give me guidance when I needed it. Maybe you can be there and do that for me in the future, you know, and they have that kind of ready to develop a relationship moment. Yeah. But then we do get the the fantastic scene of Father Lantham's funeral. Uh, And I know it sounds terrible to say fantastic. They're closing this chapter in 
the, the life of Daredevil, Matt Murdock, really well. It, it was kind of like, oh my God, they said the name of the show in the show. Where we do get the explanation or the, the this version of the explanation of why he may call himself the man without fear in some respects. Um, that mm-hmm. I thought it was really, again, really well written, just analogy and of why Matt should live his life by this. Yeah, it, it was really nice. I, I'm glad that we saw Father Lantern's funeral, uh, all that moment with Sister Maggie as well. Um, so yeah, th- th- this was, this was really nice. I, I did, however, think that Father Lantern maybe wasn't, uh, beloved by his parishioners as much as we may think, given that. It was quite empty. There's a really weird moment when we were watching the episode. That's exactly what we were talking about. We were saying, you know, that's quite an empty room. It's only two aisles of the of the church. I, I'm growing up a Catholic. I've seen big funerals in Ireland and the church. Like there's people out the doors. And then just at that moment, Matt is standing in front of this church and goes, it's great to see so many people from Hell's Kitchen turning out and filling up the church. I'm like, that's not full. That's not an Irish Catholic funeral. That'd be out the doors, especially since it's been a few days since Father Lantham passed. They've had time to organize it. You know, you'd expect that that would be everybody. It's all the characters from the show are there, basically. And it's a priest, especially when priests die. You get Mm -hmm. double the attendance. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I think, yeah, on the left-hand side of the church, we have a lot of members of the clergy, lots of members of, of other faiths that are there to support it. But it's just one of those moments, if you can't fill up the church when you can't get extras, don't make it in the speech that how many people turned out for a funeral. Because, again, I've seen full churches. It's a big church, yeah, I get it. But you could have gotten either the extras or don't have the line, I think is my point. <laughs> Yeah, and it was a good send-off as well, I think, for, for Father Lantern. Uh, as well, we get the the send-off of Blake Tower ultimately to the DA with the ringing endorsement of um, Foggy Nelson publicly uh, outside of the church as well. Yeah, uh, I really like that moment with Marcy where she says, I'm really looking forward to being married to the DA, and he's like, I think Blake Tower's single. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really good. And then it's all back to Foggy's um, for some crispy bacon snacks um, at his family butchers. Mm -hmm. And again, they resolve another one of the storylines there. We hear that the parents are going to be going off and leaving New York. The the butcher is going to be going to his brother. And if his brother pays back the loan, then there'll be no need for Black Terror to go after him. So that whole piece, because it looked like entrapment, he's not going to go after the, the Nelson family. They're all free and clear. Yeah. Yeah, and then just before, uh, just taking a step back, back into the church, um, parking lot. I, I assume it was the outside of the church. Uh, it looked like a parking lot to me, but I wasn't quite sure. The entrance way, if you want to call it that. We do get, um, Karen and Matt sharing a moment. He does express his gratitude for her sharing her, um, the, the, the truth with him and her face visibly drops again and you see it does take but you do get a a, a nice moment between the these two again fast forwarding mm-hmm. then because i thought oh no that may have opened up wounds when we are in the nelson butchers we do see or the delicatessen nelson butcher delicatessen and it's the ampersand you know it's kind of one of those weird ones it's hipster just old school not hipster old school old school <laughs> is hipster because hipsters are just taking all the retro stuff. Under Foggy's brother, it will become hipster because he's got yes. the beard. 
but this is still his parents' shop, so it's okay, just old. Okay, <laughs> right now. But anyway, we do get yeah. Karen nicking a blind man's drink. <laughs> she goes something like, "It's is that straight up whiskey?" Yeah, and he goes, "Yeah, it's nice." And then she goes, mm-hmm. "Yoink, it's mine now." And then, <laughs> then we get the essentially a very quick tie up of the the friendship the the law practice everything in one and we do get another name drop which i was quite happy with about a certain mm-hmm. pi in hell's kitchen only one of the series yeah yes i should say actually by the way that this is obviously the name drop of jessica jones our illustrious super powered um pi um but we get it as a joke where uh murdoch does say that karen page will be more reliable I believe is the term used, then Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. And I think what's even more important here is Matt Murdock is making jokes. I'm going to smile in the last episode. This time we get him making actual jokes. Yeah. What's going on? It's like his life is all sorted out. Yeah, and it's the Matt we wanted. It's mm-hmm. the Matt that we were introduced to in the beginning. And I think that's the the, the key aspect here. They've reset the clock. They've made mm-hmm. changes to the Daredevil netflix universe people are dead but they've reset the clock on this you have the law practice avocados of law and pi service back together you you he has he lost his spiritual compass north star now he has a new one he there's a lot going on but it's kind of the reset clock if you understand what i mean yeah very much so and this is what led me to wonder if this is the end of daredevil where they asked to write it that this could be the end of the show because everything is set in place and back to kind of where it was three seasons ago that these three are working together in a practice. Of course, this character has gone through many changes over the decades that he's been around and this moment where they all get back together and everything's happy and they're ready for a new adventure has happened many, many times in the comics, but it felt like there is nothing now to aim towards at the end of this series. It felt like we have all of our main players back where they should be Thanks very much for watching the three seasons of Daredevil. And I hope that's not it. I hope we're going to get a season four, but it felt like it could end right there. Yeah, I'm really with you on that. Yeah, it definitely felt like that. I mean, it it is actually a really good end, I think, to uh, season three. And I, I, I think it's a, a nice kind of full circle, I suppose, if you will, from season one to now. Um, but I, I definitely hope this is season four, mm-hmm. uh, certainly given the fact that, you know, not only is Matt moving back into his apartment, but we see, um, you know, a familiar symbol appear in the eyes of uh, Dex. Uh, we see, you know, one of Daredevil's great villains um, being sort of patched back together again from the spine upwards, I suppose. Um with this elective surgery that is taking place, which was really cool to see. And we know that you can never keep a good Wilson Fisk locked up. So, um, (laughs) you know, and or if you do, you know that he's going to be pulling strings on the outside. So there's plenty of threat there still in this universe that can be exploited for a season four. Um, So I, I, I really hope that there, there is a positive uh, reception to um, the showrunner's advances for uh, a season four. Definitely. Didn't we even get that little gag from Karen Page where Matt says, as long as Vanessa's safe, Fisk's going to play along because he loves her. And then 
Karen goes, what if she gets knocked down by a bus tomorrow? It's like, Matt's like, shut up. <laughs> touch we'll wood, touch wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. No, and I think, I think we should pause the kind of the, the, the end of this now because we are starting to speak more of the, the season review and where we want things to go. I'm, I'm going to move it over to some notes, if that's okay with you, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yes, I think so. On to the notes for sure. There's two noticeable exclusions from this season Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna take one and derek i'll let you take the second Um, okay the first for me we didn't get our cameo we did not get our stanley cameo uh in this season i searched everywhere for this and there was no mention at all of a stanley cameo yeah so we didn't we didn't see it ourselves and also, all the other people that have been watching the show, nobody else has picked up on one. So I found there. one Reddit thread that posits the flashback scene in uh, Fogwell's gym where Maggie comes in. There is a photo of a young man. It's quite blurry. It looks like the, the writing says Lee and potentially that's Officer Lee back in the day. And it was just so it was it wasn't focused enough for people to zoom in on or kind of capture. Yeah, I went back and looked at that scene. I couldn't see it. Um, so this is a really disturbing element for me. I was like, no, it's kind of like an Easter egg hunt. We watch it throughout the season. You're kind of keeping an eye on what characters doing, but you're also we've been scanning the the kind of back walls and things like that. I'm hoping it is found. I'm hoping it's something we just overlooked. Um, in a very public scene, uh, where there was a lot going on. But yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Yeah. And I think just obviously having only recently lost Stanley, it's, it seems even more important to me that he was in this final episode. Uh, you know, I, I know these episodes came out a month and a bit before Stanley passed, of course, but it makes it even more important when you're rummaging through these scenes, kind of going, okay, we're getting onto the last episode. He must be here somewhere. Must be here somewhere. Surely he's in the background of, of, Foggy's uh, family butchers or something, you know, in one of those scenes, surely he's in there, but he's not, unfortunately. There's no uh, no mention of him either. I was kind of hoping for an employee of the month photo in the hotel. Uh, yeah, something like that. Like that, something yeah, silly yeah. like that. But it just, yeah, no, it never mm-hmm. happened. And speaking of never happening, we also had a second no-show for this season. Well, actually, two others. One that we knew wasn't going to happen. Um, we don't have Claire Temple, who started out her career back in season one of Daredevil. Um, we know she finished off her storyline in Luke Cage and left the city. I think she is actually back in New York, according to conversations that happened with Colleen Wing and with Misty Knight. We believe that Claire Temple is back in New York somewhere. Um, but she didn't turn up for the show. Understandable. The actress has said that she's done with the Marvel uh, shows. She wants to go back and spend time with her kids. Totally understandable. She's had 11 series uh, or 10 series that she's appeared on and only for a few episodes in some cases and having to stay in New York when you've got kids across the other side of the country. Totally understand that you wouldn't want to hang around and do that. That makes a lot of sense. Weirdly, Turk Barrett also not appearing in this season of Daredevil. You know, he's he's been able to fit himself into every season since the first episode of Daredevil and hasn't been able to fit into this series was felt kind of odd for me. I don't know. He felt like he's always had that connection to Daredevil uh, more than any other character. So thought I thought we'd see him in this in this season. I actually thought we were going to get him in this episode. Right. No lie. I thought that was how Matt was going to find Felix mm, Manning. Right. Yeah. Turk was going to do a request or that's I was assuming it was the opening where Turk is doing something bad and Matt comes and knock and he's like, oh, God, not you mm-hmm. again. 
type of um kind of joke it'd be like ah yeah that's fun yeah it was very strange yeah. not to see him it would have made sense to definitely but i suppose that was one of the problems that we saw with season two of daredevil was over tying it into all the other shows so maybe that was a focus of the showrunner this time was not to tie it into the other shows and not to hamper himself uh, with trying to fit in things like the hatchet gang and those kind of things so he could just tell the story he wanted to tell without having to lead towards a Defenders 2 or anything else just to tell a good Daredevil story. I think that may have been a focus for uh, our showrunner this season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, another note from me is that we see Vanessa give uh, Wilson Fisk uh, a red rose um, in in his lapel mm-hmm. of, of his jacket. And obviously from the 2003 movie, as well as from the comics and this was a signature of wilson fisk to leave a rose at the body of a person that he had killed or that he had put the order on to kill and so it was done for matt's father in the movie as well and so just a little motif there um, coming into play which is is nice and symbolic Mm -hmm. i think also what's nicely symbolic in this scene is where we see Fisk seeing himself as that murderous little boy in the mirror, you know, in this moment where Vanessa is preparing him for their wedding and with this red rose, when he looks back um, at himself, he sees himself. It's it's this idea that Vanessa has calmed uh, that murderous little boy down uh, as, you know, we later hear, as you say, Chris, you know, those beautiful words about them both being broken and, and understanding that they are the pieces that fit together. So, um, yeah, a really nice little moment in the wardrobe closet of the, the, the fists. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering what it was seeing when Vanessa puts that rose on him was he still seeing the murderous boy or not because we don't actually see the mirror reflection of fisk no that's that true yeah. so i was wondering whether it's just he's accepted the little boy is still inside him or uh, or is that little boy gone now because he has vanessa and i think it's i think the little boy is gone because he has vanessa in his life i think that's what it's trying to say but it is still interesting you know three seasons and for him 30 years on from this murderous kid he's still seeing that in the mirror he's still seeing the murder of his father having that stain on his soul you know and final note big one this one because uh, i didn't notice it i did go back and check out the comic books that it's based on though um daredevil 196 and 199 introduce a character called lord darkwind whose alter ego is dr oyama this is the character who invented uh, putting adamantium onto bones so that's exactly how the character of Wolverine was created, for example. Uh, in this, in these issues, in Daredevil 196 to 199, Wolverine is on the trail of Lord Darkwind, who kidnaps Bullseye, who's had his back broken, and fuses his bones with adamantium in the spine, just like we see in this uh, in this episode of Daredevil. And we do hear the other surgeon calling out the fact that this is Dr. Oyama. So, obviously connected to the storyline from the comic books, and quite interesting that this is part of Bullseye's character that he gets the adamantium fused to his to his uh, bones and comes back even more unbeatable than he was before. Quite cool, huh? Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. If that's it for the notes, guys, I think it's time to get on to our defense and close out the episode. Uh, let's start out with Chris for the end of season three, the season three finale of Daredevil and New Napkin. Do you defend this episode, Chris? Uh, I do defend this episode. I am speaking wholly for just my defense for episode 13. I do feel the last... 10 minutes of this episode were very rushed. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of 
information closed off, thrown at us very quickly. Um, I do feel that the potentially I would have preferred the Wilson Fisk, uh, Dex Devil and Daredevil or Man in Black fight scene went on 10 to 5 more minutes. I just felt it was really interesting to see. But again, it also felt rushed. Even the ballroom scene, if the ballroom scene had been extended, it would have been perfect. Even just going as far as seeing Dex take out the FBI guards, um, walking, stalking through the halls, stomping, I should say, through the halls. Um, so while I do defend this episode in terms of the overall character, the writing was superb. I've called it two fantastic scenes or die pieces of dialogue that I personally was like, these are beautiful descriptions. I, didn't enjoy the pacing and maybe pacing is the wrong word i just felt actually for once this could have been extended if they had given this an extra 10 15 minutes of an episode obviously i will never gonna really see a netflix uh episode go over the one hour mark why not uh, but i why not i think that's that's what i i feel they should have done like giving this an extended scene where matt karen Foggy are sitting down and they're talking more about it. But again, that scene even there was just, it was tight. And please don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining that this episode was sloppy or it was, and it was tight writing. I just felt actually you could have elaborated. We could have given the writer a bit more space to expand some of these conversations. The scene between Vanessa Fisk and Matt, if you had given that scene just 60 more seconds, I felt it really would have just hit home even more. So, yes, I defend this. Yes, this was a fantastic episode. But for once, I'm actually left feeling lacking. Not from the writing, not from the direction, but from the time they were given to tell this story in an episode format. Um, in terms of keeping it very close to the one hour. I would have happily taken an extra 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. uh, and the pacing increased to get a more jovial episode finale or season finale uh, in terms of jovial by giving me more time with these characters to explore rather than it feeling somewhat rushed right. uh, towards right. the end. Okay. Because um, the third act is very rushed. So that is, uh, yes, I do defend. Uh, that was a winding road to get there. But yes, I do defend this episode. John, do you defend this season finale of Daredevil Season 3, A New Napkin? I do defend this episode of Daredevil Season 3, A New Napkin. I give this three and a half chilled out Julies out of five. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved, um, everything here with Matt Kingpin and Poindexter and with the wedding all around the wedding. So I include Vanessa in this as well. Um, I, I just thought that was really good. I, I loved seeing Poindexter being uh, exposed to the truth, um, and him bringing his present, 
uh, his and Julie's present to the Fisk wedding. I thought that was really, really nice. I think that fight were in the penthouse apartment was so cool, but wow, I think that wrap up was pretty efficient. Um, you know, it felt a bit more like, um, a, abstract of a scientific article rather than um you know a tv show i thought it was very efficient um don't get me wrong i really enjoyed seeing our three protagonists together again committing to working as you know nelson murdoch and page the attorneys at law that was a sweet moment um and a really fitting end uh for sure um but yeah it, it really just suddenly went into i don't know what gear um how many gears do formula one cars have at least eight it really just spared to this wrap-up i i really hope that this um fantastic wrap-up that kind of brings them full circle uh, as this trio of partners again working in law like they started off you know in the early few episodes of of season one getting together Uh, i hope that leads to a season four ultimately um, and doesn't become you know the period for uh, daredevil as a marvel netflix show i really thought this was a, a good final episode and i definitely do defend uh Episode 13 of Daredevil Season 3, A New Napkin. Derek, do you defend Episode 13 of Daredevil? I do defend this episode, but I think I know what the problem is with this ending. I think it's the confidence is gone. Um, When Marvel Netflix shows began right back in Season 1 of Daredevil, there was this confidence about them that said, we've got four shows coming and a combined show at the end of them where you're going to see them all together and we're going to be TV's Avengers are going to be here and you're going to have all these stories coming out of it and all that kind of stuff. We've been knocked back quite significantly this year as fans of Iron Fist and as fans of Luke Cage. We've had this knockback twice already this year that our our shows aren't coming back. And this episode felt like the showrunner was being told Make sure you put a fine point on it just in case it doesn't come back. This felt like what was happening. I'm an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, and I will say it over and over again. I'm a huge fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but almost every season after season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has ended like this, where they go, this could be the end of the show, and we've wrapped everything up. So just in case it is, you've had a goodbye to all your favorite characters, but it could also come back next year, and we've made a plan for just in case it could come back. Here's something that could happen. Um, that's what this felt like. It felt like there was no confidence at all that we will get a season four. And not that I need that every time. I don't need it. But the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies have that. The Marvel TV shows on Netflix have always had that confidence at the end of their shows. Look at the end of Iron Fist. Look at the end of Luke Cage season two. They were so confident that they were coming out of the gates with their next season because they've set everything up in place and put all those chess pieces in place. This felt like there's no chess pieces in place. They don't even know what board they're playing, what game they're playing for season four at this at the end of this season. So that just feels like a weird finale episode for the Marvel Netflix shows. And for any Netflix show, to be honest, they all seem to have that kind of confidence about them. But maybe times are changing. Maybe that's all it is. Um, so while I love the episode, and you guys have mentioned all the points why the episode was a great episode, I do think the end just felt, yeah, it felt like a closing of times rather than an enjoyable ending with these characters. Yeah, I can I can understand that definitely. Yeah, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And our, our episode two hundred is really where I'm going to get into that mm-hmm. um, because I have some thoughts and feelings about how this has been closed. 
Uh, but again, it's not about this episode. It's about the season as a whole. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. I said we're not going to have any feedback on the entire season. We'll save that for episode 200. We just have one piece of feedback in episode 12. Um, John, do you want to take that piece? Yeah, Tina Brown says on the death of Ray Nadim, Fisk does seem omnipotent in this episode. That's a lot of planning for potential scenarios. And the grand jury tipped it over for me. Goodbye, Agent Nadim. These Netflix shows are tough on those FBI agents. A great character and very well acted. But I had a feeling he wasn't going to make it, even after getting to the courthouse. I didn't think dramatically it would work to send him to prison. He had to die. Uh, yeah, absolutely, um, Tina. I think uh, all the while in the courthouse, in the drive over, even at Fogwell's gym, I was just expecting Raina Deem to come a cropper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, um, you know, he decides to take that act himself to put him in harm's way with then the arrival of poindexter at his family home uh so yeah it, it was certainly um a a farewell to ray nadima and again a really good character in the end i think you know i think to begin with it, certainly it was is he isn't he yeah. is he isn't he uh certainly from me um but you know those moments with him and his wife Seema, um, and with their child, and just that realization that being pulled into something they didn't want to do by Wilson Fisk, uh, ably uh, abetted by Poindexter, I thought was you really felt his struggle and his conflict um, in, in the some of these last few episodes. So um, it was it was really really good. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much, Tina, for for that feedback. Yeah, thanks, Tina. Yeah, there's definitely something um, really interesting about the way they did this to have Raina Deem own up to his mistakes, own up to all of the things that he's done, stand in front of a court, tell them all everything that's happened, and then to have the kind of rug pulled out from under him to say that all of these people have are in the pocket of Wilson Fisk or are being threatened with death by Wilson Fisk if they don't pardon him. It just does feel like. Um, a much more epic ending to his story and yeah a tragic ending really uh, you're right he couldn't have gone off to prison you can't send a character that you all know and you all identify with as an audience you can't send him off to prison at the end of this kind of season you have to have a definitive end where he ends off life as a hero yeah thanks Tina I can't add much more than the guys have said but I agree with you the omnipotent Fisk in this episode is really interesting he's the master of strategy Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it kind of just continues to show. I do like the idea of Fisk constantly having this thousand plans in his head, each one twisting, or him just knowing how certain people react to certain different types of pressure. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for the feedback. As I said, we'll be back with the rest of the feedback on Season 3 of Daredevil in our episode 200, which will be coming up very soon. We're not going to be holding it back for weeks or anything like that. It'll be out uh, later on this week, as soon as I get it edited, basically. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us for the entire season of Daredevil. Really enjoyed talking about this uh, epic season three of the show. Hopefully we're going to get a season four, and we'll talk a lot more about it on the next episode. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow Defenders, and keep coming back. Yes, thank you so much. You will hear my dulcet tones very soon. Yes, thank you so much, fellow Defenders, for listening. It has been a pleasure discussing Daredevil Season 3 with you. I've got the engine running to take uh, Julie for a ride. Uh, I hope she hasn't melted uh, by the time I get back to that car. But once I've driven her around the block and put her back in the freezer for good keeping, uh, we will be back to speak about Daredevil the full season.
season three uh, with you soon. Bye. We're talking about Daredevil 313, a new napkin, the finale of season three of Daredevil. <laughs> we're so shocked that we're near the finale. Something fell over. I just kicked over my phone. Yes. <laughs> Matt doesn't reel him back up like Matt, man. Matt, man. <laughs> well, I think that's a good new. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> <laughs> hockey pants still the hockey pants <laughs> I absolutely she had the look about her that suggested she'd been on one too many Sunday drives um, when she was with Dex in the car it was like just get me out of here I'm bored stiff <laughs> <laughs> I did like the look on her eyes it was kind of comedically wide-eyed <laughs> but i suppose it would be really okay <laughs> shall i stop that again that sounded a bit probably dark. best yeah <laughs> um, your bitch was to kill beloved yeah I... <laughs> and obviously we see the other police officers coming in taking off the max <laughs> that completely put me off, Chris, because I was Sorry, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, doing it away from that. That still was really far away. <laughs> but once I've driven it. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? What was that? What? Oh, it might be on a delay. I think Chris is drinking giggle water. <laughs> yeah, it's on a very like, major what? delay, so all we got was <laughs> out of nowhere there. Uh, Finish off, because... Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Sorry. I think you're there, Chris. Yeah, are you there, I am, I am. Here, can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me? Just now. All we've had for the last two minutes is just the occasional, like, pop of... (laughs) So John's been trying to say his final sentence, and he just gets a... (laughs) In his ears. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yes, I'm here. I'm listening. Oh, very good.